0: The hills are alive to the sound of 1.6 litre V6 turbo hybrid engines You know what I mean, you know what I'm talking about Welcome ladies and gentlemen To Styria, which actually is in Austria And this means it's the time for our Styrian Grand Prix preview On the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium And so, on today's episode we discuss What makes the Red Bull Ring such a good track for racing Then we discuss Is this the closest Red Bull vs Mercedes battle of the entire season coming up this weekend? After that, we discuss one dark horse driver in with a real shot here. Then, curb your enthusiasm, says Michael Massey. What is that all about? More on that on this episode. And finally, discussing the drama in the midfield, where McLaren could suddenly have an advantage. All of this coming up on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium. Well, hello there, folks. The Hills will be alive this weekend. It will be some race weekend as we roll into the second round of this triple header that we're having right here. My name is Somal Arora. You might recognize me from the Inside Line F1 podcast, as I like to say now. And and at least in the more mainstream sense from the driving force on Disney Plus Hotstar. But I am joined by a man who's been in Formula One for many, many years, who's worked as the ex-marketing head of the Force India Formula One team and now works as a motorsport consultant to the VF Sport Network in Norway. Kunal Shah, as always, is here with me. And yes, Kunal, I'm so glad to be back in Austria. I mean, I'm not in Austria, neither are both of us, but so glad to see the circus rolling in town because this place always delivers. I I don't think we've had one bad race
1: here since we've come back. Well... We've not. And, you know, the hills are going to be alive for two consecutive Grand Prix weekends. We are right in the middle of the triple header. And, you know, racing twice in Austria, no complaints. We did that last year. <laughs> we opened the season with that. And we are, you know, we are, we are racing th- twice, uh, you know, this weekend and the next one as well. But the the one puzzling question that I have saw out of the several ones we are going to discuss is in 2020, you know, we had the Austrian Grand Prix first followed by the Styrian Grand Prix. Okay. Mm -hmm. In 2021, it's actually the Styrian Grand Prix Mm -hmm. followed by the Austrian Grand Prix. And I want to know who makes these confusing decisions in Formula One or the local promoters, because hey, the sport is anyway just so confusing. Why have we changed the order of the races even though you know styria is in austria and austria has styria if you guys get to know what i'm trying to say (laughs) exactly it's it's a bit like that akshay kumar meme
0: and and for those of you uh, who don't live in india and who haven't watched enough of bollywood cinema he basically takes uh, puts both his finger both his fingers on one side then flips it around something like that it's a it's a big popular one here switcheroo is basically the essence of it Comes out better when you end up seeing it. But it may be just that. Who even knows what it is all about? But thank goodness we're getting two of them here. Do I like to see that at the cost of Turkey and Canada not being apart? Maybe not. But am I still complaining about two Austrian races? Not one bit. Which leads us on to the very first thing that we have to speak about today, Kunal. And it is the track. Why is this circuit so good? Why is the Red Bull Ring so good for racing. And why have we not had even a single disappointing race ever here since we've come back? And I think it has a lot to do with just how how few corners do we have here and just what the nature of those corners are.
1: Samil, and this is where I'm going to test your memory. Okay. okay. And this is where my limited memory about F1 history comes in. But uh-huh. you are saying that we've not had a single boring race out here. And if since my memory... Back.
0: Since we came back.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think in 2019, though, it was probably a boring race, no, if I remember correctly. No, 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 no. no okay. No, no. R- okay. Because so oh, they, they, that? because it
0: was because. Verstappen and Leclerc dueling at the end and Verstappen got his elbows out. I,
1: think, the, I yes. think it was
0: that very race where we saw Max Verstappen transform into this brash young kid into a proper evolved version of himself if i put it that way into more That's strong racecraft that was the day
1: that was actually a brilliant move for the leader of the race and mm-hmm. the only stat that i then remember from that race was uh-huh. that we actually had no retirements back then in austria which is a bit of a shocker because the you know the, the red bull ring or the a1 ring as i've yeah. called it while yeah. growing up yeah, yeah? was always known to be as a car breaker. And, mm. you know, it's it's just something that I think last year that the opening race had just 11 finishers. Again, if mm-hmm. if my memory serves me correctly. But yes, there is something about, you know, racing at the Red Bull Ring, which enlivens me or enlivens Formula One as well. To me, I I actually call it the Wimbledon of <laughs> Formula One. It is, just a, it is just a stunning Grand Prix. The, it's... The most picturesque locales that, you know, a a Formula One Grand Prix could have. And uh, since you mentioned corners, I think it's less than 10 corners out of out of which three corners are actually just flat kinks, as we call it in the world of racing. So lots and lots of fun action to to look forward to this weekend. I mean, if you ever want to know how you use kinks,
0: that's how you do it. Tried, failed. But <laughs> MotoGP counts, as that, counts it as 12 corners or something like that. I don't know. Pikes is not my <laughs> photo. You can tell. But, but what's really fun about the Red Bull Ring canal is the fact that most of those corners are hardcore braking zones. And they come after long straights where you can follow where you can trail in and you can make that move except around the outside of turn, is it three, I think? Yeah, someone tried to make a move around the outside at turn number three in a blue car on a, uh, on Lewis Hamilton twice, once at Sao Paulo, once here. Didn't work out well. He's not here in the, on the grid right now. But <laughs> apart from that particular corner, Kunal, everywhere, more or less, you can go for a sin. And if you may be daring enough, which none of them will be, you can even do a MotoGP block pass at the final couple of corners if you dare do, because the sausage curbs over there have been
1: removed as well. If, of course yes and you know samil uh the circuit has just overtaking written all over it you mm. you literally have a lot of braking heavy braking zones and the circuit is very uh it's known for you know taxing the brakes out there and then the higher altitude means cooling down the engines and brakes are always a challenge and uh i, I think just the first sector in itself is like completely (laughs) out and out power sector and again if if my if my numbers are correct you know almost 73 percent of a lap is spent on full throttle right and to me one of the most exciting things and the one question that i i I would like to ask all our viewers and listeners is austria is the shortest lap time on the entire calendar right Mm -hmm. but it's only the fifth longest circuit or the how you know fifth longest circuit right the the big question is you know we saw a lap time of only 62 seconds last year if I remember correctly again mm. but in France we saw that between the Red Bull Mercedes and then the McLaren there was a full minutes gap <laughs> when it came to finishing the race I'm talking of Lando Norris of course I'm I'm eager to know what is that gap going to be in Austria when, when, you know, when such a short circuit actually comes into play, Samuel.
0: (laughs) Don't ask me. That's going to be crazy. Love when you bring out aspects like that, that kind of make you look at the sport in a different perspective. But to come to think of it, I don't think it may be that much because last year Landon Norris was close again. The penalty was the reason why he got the podium towards the very end. Penalty to Hamilton, that is, of course. But he was still in a decent enough gap where he could go hell for leather and get it. So maybe if last year is anything to go by, things might be slightly easier on that aspect than Paul Ricard. But on the whole canal, it just seems like the A1 ring, someone, I mean, it's one of those circuits you think of as a kid, right? Okay, what do I draw? Straight up, right, straight down, right? Uh, I'll scribble a few corners here and there, two right-handers, and that's about it. But it's still, <laughs> it still ends up getting some
1: good racing. It's safe to say that we're pumped right here. We are, and you know, uh I think I think there's gonna be it, it is it is known that it's gonna be a wet weather weekend and oh. we really hope that rain arrives at the time when we actually want to arrive, you know, and, and sort of stirs yeah. things up. Because Sommel, you know, both the title protagonists are known to be wet weather masters. Lewis Hamilton And Max Verstappen. And to to sort of add a layer of wet weather racing Mm -hmm. in their ongoing battle is what I'm absolutely hoping happens this weekend and the next one.
0: Let's get to that and to speaking about how the teams and drivers, that is Red Bull and Mercedes, end up fighting. But you know what will happen if it's a wet race weekend? We may get a manscaped lawnmower moment of the weekend. (laughs) As you can see on the screen, if you're watching the video version of it, we are offering not we manscaped are offering but but it's my kind of like it's we together because we're all doing this together right they're offering you a 20 percent discount plus free shipping on all of their products if you use the code trim inside check out the link in the description for more of that that is where you can get all their products from and while we're at it Let me tell you what kind of good work all of our writers are doing as well. Again, link in description. Check out all the good work that Nityanand and Path and Sundaram have been doing. You can see on the screen right now the French GP data analysis where Nityanand dug up how Lewis Hamilton got passed by Max Verstappen even though he had a shorter pit stop. And of course, Path writing the article of the other winners and losers from the French Grand Prix. That is on your screen. Check out the link in the description below for more on those articles. Back to the track canal. And this wet weather thing, oh, it gets me excited because the forecast shows that there might be a storm on the way, not just in the skies, but on the track as well, because these two guys, <laughs> Hamilton and Verstappen, are just
1: going hell for leather right now. They are. And you know, Aston Martin, they released an interesting stat uh, that five out of the line pole position battles were settled by a gap of just a tenth. So we know how close it is at front. And Samuel, if it's, uh, uh, there are two buzzwords this weekend. First, of course, is rain, since we spoke about, and second is going to be finer margins. And Mm -hmm. it is increasingly getting finer by the races that go by. And in Austria, where it's a doubleheader, you know, teams will gather so much data everyone's expecting the, the the teams and the competition to just get that much closer. So finer margins in literally every category that all the teams are racing on in, in Formula One this weekend, Samuel.
0: I'm intrigued, right? How, how fine can it get? How interesting can it eventually be? And when you come to think of it, Historically, Mercedes have been superb here, again. uh, I think 2017 was this, 2018 was this, 2020 both of the races were theirs. They have been so good here. But Verstappen won here in 2019. Verstappen beat Mercedes clean with Red Bull at France as well. He seems to be the driver in the best nick of any series, anywhere in the world at this stage. I might not be exaggerating right now when I say that. So, Kunal, the question... This just might be the closest fight between them of the season so far. But who would you put your money on? Because I certainly will be doing the
1: fence-sitting option right here. I can't pick, to be honest. <laughs> well, I think it's going to help everyone who's participating in our Grand Prix prediction uh, competition, sure. I would say. But it's 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 tough to look uh, away from Max Verstappen. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, although, if he gets pole, another stat out there it's going to be only the first time in his career he scores back-to-back pole positions, right? So Max has been around a long time. He's waited a long time for the Red Bull Honda to package, uh, for the Red Bull Honda package to become what it's actually become. So I expect them to carry forward that momentum. The slipstream, the toe is going to come into major effect in qualifying. So I I think I will bet on Max Verstappen. And one of the reasons I I do that, and I think, uh, I, I got it wrong in France when I when I was backing, you know, Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the reasons I do that is, you know, uh, just going by what Christian Horner said, you know, France was an out and out Mercedes circuit. It was one of those traditional circuits after the two street races we've had. Red Bull, you know, comprehensively outpaced and outclassed and beat Mercedes in France, and that's when Christian Horner said, if we can beat them here. We can beat them anywhere, and that's what has made me change sides, uh, of which side of the fence I am on, Samuel. To be very honest, so I'm going for a Max Verstappen, pole, and maybe a Max Verstappen win as well. But like I said, it's finer margins, so mm. it's it's so tough to call it. Like in France, had the race been two laps short, you know, Lewis would have won on mm. a single stopper, and 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 all the all the maths that we all know now.
0: And in France, had Mercedes just slightly gone for a slightly different call in that case, maybe deciding that Lewis should pit immediately instead of a lap later. Uh, And I mean, you can't even tell, right? Because all the data that they had, all the calculations were put to bed by the rain that came in the morning. Split-second decisions that eventually cost them the win in the longer picture. I love how they're pushing each other to the limit. But experts say... now. Again, you might doubt their credibility, you might doubt their legitimacy of their data, but that's what at least the global feed broadcast that comes at my TV channel ends up saying, that it seems like Mercedes are better on the longest stints, Kunal. Again, not my words, it's theirs, that's what they say. And Kunal mentioned a very good point to me early on before the start of this video, that that their viewpoints can change based on the data that comes in. So no, no reason to be concrete on that, that, okay, Mercedes are better on the longest stints, because, again, that can change. But historically, uh Austria, Austria, again Austria that is, they've had uh, we've had longer tie stints here. I mean, it's a it's not really a high tire wear circuit, not really high tire degradation circuit per se. So, do you think that sort of changes the competitive balance in terms of strategy somewhere because now that the focus will be slightly off strategy maybe that could just benefit Mercedes considering how that has
1: not been their strong point this season at all. It could well be, but I, I'll put it this way, Samuel. Mm. We eventually will have at least one stop in the race. That's what Pirelli is saying, and that's what the rules say. You have to stop once. You have to use at least two compounds in the race, as we know it. So it's just that one stop that could still turn around Mercedes's mm. fortunes, as we've seen before. And you know, in Monaco, in Baku, and in France, Mercedes had you know, a race strategy which saw them lose positions in the pit stop. So... It's still the one stop that they need to master, Sommel, I'll I'll put it this way that uh it's it's all gonna be down to how teams are optimizing their tires utilization. And you know, one of the big challenges Mercedes has faced is tire warm-up. You know, in Monaco it was hmm. Botas who could get the tires in the window. In Baku it was Lewis in in france it was actually both their drivers so they'd be hoping that a both their drivers are on the pace and that b they actually have the they have the pace advantage to at least try and take the fight to red bull and i just noticed how the whole narrative has changed mm-hmm. will mercedes have the advantage to take the fight to red bull it's usually the other way around yeah. sovel well. it's crazy but i have to ask you one question, Kanal. that uh, has been
0: on my mind uh, for the last week or so, but it's not been as prevalent, again, now that we have the opportunity. Before we move on to the other things, we can discuss this for a second. The chassis business, what's happening right there? Apparently Mercedes changing chassis? Is that how you say it in, the, in a brutal way? I, I don't know. Uh, having swapped around the chassis of the car, Uh, You have seen Bottas kind of get better, at least on the overall pace. I mean, one might wonder where he might have finished had it not been for the strategy issue that happened Paul Ricard. But do you think that has anything to do with Mercedes and their drivers' pace
1: as such at this moment? oh i don't think so and Lu- lewis has you know addressed this with much authority and it's something that you know we've known teams to do time and again for mileage reasons mm. for and and this year you know the budget cap is also one of the reasons why the teams will sur- you know circle and, and and service parts along the way so i don't think it's the chassis thing anymore and it's interesting that you mentioned Botas because mm. uh, again this one is where i miss sundaram most on but yeah. i think Botas' Botas is maximum poles have come in austria and maybe russia like you said before we started <laughs> recording this uh, this episode somil so bottas has been in tremendous form when it comes to austria uh, i think in the last 5 races he's had three poles and two wins and and something and you know i'm excited to see if he can actually do something of this and if he can somewhat interfere in in the in the verstappen versus uh, hamilton title battle out there
0: that was exactly what we're going to come up to right now. If if Valtteri Bottas can be the dark horse with a real shot because something or the other happens and Bottas eventually ends up being quite good at Austria. Uh, I wonder what it is. I wonder what it is with Bottas at Russia and Austria. But the records don't lie. The numbers don't lie, Kunal. It is evident for everyone to see. He's got something in the bag at Austria. And seemingly when he's under pressure, when he's under fire from team-based decisions, maybe at the end of the season, where they decide, should we renew or not, and they just renew him, by the skin of their teeth, or maybe in a situation like this one, where he has called out the team, for giving him the wrong strategy, in hindsight that is, something or the other happens in Bottas, there is that fire lighting up, now just to clear things up, Toto Wolff and Bottas, have both come up and said that, there is no acrimony within the team, everything is okay, the relationship is still very much the same, but the same was never very good Kunal, so do you think, we might see him have a chance. And maybe this could put Sergio Perez under pressure because we've constantly seen him do those sort of weird longer stints. But we can't help but point out the fact that Perez, in qualifying at least, is just not there, which means he has to go the long way around. He has to do the dirty work. And he eventually ends up being in second or third at the max. And the one big victory, of course, luck being on his side.
1: Yeah, I think one powerful boost Bottas will have this weekend is... You know, uh, what Lewis said in the press conference earlier today, he says, I'm discussing my contract renewal with Mercedes as we go, and I would love to have Valtry Bottas as my teammate. So that <laughs> is something that he would look to go. But you mentioned Perez, and you know, it was good to see Perez come to Max's help in in, uh, in France. and. Again, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how close Perez can be on the Saturday because on the Sunday he's definitely been scoring all the points and and you know being there in the mix and now it just you know it just waits. we just wait to see how much closer can he get to Max Verstappen in, in in qualifying and. You know, before we sort of move on to mm-hmm. from there, there are eight other teams to sort of talk about <laughs> and lots of other battles to to talk about. The one thing that I've I've loved in in the last three to five races is, you know, that Red Bull and Mercedes have been fighting on every aspect of a Grand Prix weekend. You know, whether it's qualifying, whether it's pole position, whether it's race strategy, whether it's the race win. So it, 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 in fact, even the fastest lap of the race, you know, mm. so we have two teams that are extremely well, uh, extremely competitive. They're very, very well matched, I would say, in terms of performance. And the finer margins is what is going to separate them through the season. And The one, the the team that makes the least amount of mistakes, as we've been calling it, right? Mm. But the one thing that stands out for me is the nature of Red Bull's win in France last weekend, right? Mm -hmm. It's that kind of strategy mixed with on track risk, on track battles that we want to see all about in Formula One. And to me, if Formula One delivers that this weekend as well, it's going to be a blockbuster race, irrespective of who actually wins Sommel. Spot on, spot on, literally, right? We've all not got
0: any hate for Lewis Hamilton. Some of you might. Again, that's your problem. I don't get why. But it's mostly because someone, beat a Schumacher back in the day, or beat a Hamilton today, or beat in the world of cricket and Mumbai Indians, you can tell I'm a fan. When, when someone wins too much, you sort of get that sort of feeling of bitterness in your mouth. That, uh, that they win too often. It takes away the charm of winning. But again, when a competitor arrives, it just builds it up so much more. Verstappen is the man. But... I think it's enough of talking about the talk top two. It's been 22 minutes since we've been speaking about Mercedes and Red Bull Racing. That's how compelling this battle is. But now for the midfield. Now for all the action that's happening right there. Advantage McLaren in the tennis terms is what the umpire might say. Do we have advantage McLaren though, Kunal? Because uh, Austria, again, last year they got a podium right here. From the characteristic standpoint, this might be their circuit. They have favoured longer straights all season long. And medium-speed corners like we do have in Section 2 and 3 do seem to be favouring them, at least so far this season. What do you reckon is going to happen here? And what about AlphaTauri and Pierre Gasly, who've just been racking up points
1: weekend after weekend? Well, OK, I'll put it this way, mm-hmm. that maybe Ferrari will struggle less in Austria than they did in France. Yeah. Shorter circuit, you know, lack of uh, fast-sweeping corners... Uh, and long straights and the like. So Ferrari might just struggle less when it comes to a pace deficit. But the big challenge is in the middle of a triple header, they've realized that, you know, tire issues that they've been struggling from for the last two years are still prevalent on their car. And, you know, if they couldn't solve it for the last two seasons, I don't know how they're going to solve it for for in like literally four days or five days between the races that they would have. But on a more serious note, they you know, they get two chances to try different solutions at the same circuit. And that's always, uh, that always helps, right? And uh, there's that famous saying that says, right, if you do the same thing and expect different results, you're kind of stupid. So I'm assuming that Ferrari will try different things. And and then if they end up with the same result, it's still okay, right? But the interesting thing for me in the whole Mm -hmm. McLaren versus Ferrari battle, Mm Samuel, is that Ferrari are always ahead in qualifying, Okay, there's that. There, that's hmm. always been something that Ferrari have pulled out, but McLaren have better baseline performance in the races, whereas Ferrari have had these spikes in yeah. in their performances out there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. And you know, I, I think it's it's very nostalgic to see Ferrari and McLaren battle, and yeah. uh, and you know, adding a Pierre Gasly and Alpha Tauri to the mix is always always good. I think. Norris is the only driver who scored races in all, uh, who scored in all the races this season. And Mm -hmm. Pierre Gasly has been scoring points uh, in the last six races, you know, after his incident uh, in Bahrain. So, very, very, uh, very competitive midfield out there, I would say. And sometimes I wonder, is Alpha Tauri quick enough or do we think that they are quick enough? Because they're always there, but they're not always there in the fight, you know? So, Mm -hmm. happy to see what Pierre Gasly is going to be able to make of it.
0: I think we sort of mean that we can't quite tell on the whole front because there's only one of those two cars right there, sadly. I mean, again, (laughs) when you see two drivers right there in the same car, you kind of, it's like a second opinion, right? You go to a doctor, you ask a second one, that's when you're sure of it. We don't know what that Alfa Tauri car is capable of O- on, a, on a balance front, uh, again, you might wonder what is a balance front, maybe the aggregate uh, or the average of the two teammates, then depends on how good the teammates are. I mean, if you put Yuji uh, Ide, uh, and, and for that matter, who's another not very successful Formula 1 driver that wasn't very good outside either. Uh, I mean, you get the idea, if you put two of them in, if you put them in a Ferrari, it might just give you by the method that I'm suggesting that the car might be bad. Again, it's it's all complicated stuff. What I mean to say is, we need Yuki Sonora to do something better. We need him to be a lot more representative in that aspect. To know whether that Alpha Tauri is, in fact, a genuine contender for Ferrari or McLaren, or are they just, you know, being a floater in a cricket match, coming across sometimes, g- hitting a big hit, and then getting out on the sixth ball? We might have to wait and watch on that aspect. But one very interesting article that I read over the week spoke about Ferrari's problems and why they're able to trump McLaren in qualifying? So uh, Paul Ricard was a good example. I- I'm not going to consider Monaco and Baku because those were two outliers that completely fit into Ferrari's uh, game plan. But at Paul Ricard, Ferrari eventually tried a race pace setup uh, in free practice, apparently, that was a bit too slow on qualifying trim. So they said, OK, this is a bit too much. Let me cut it down by a fair bit. Or let us cut it down by a fair bit would be a better term. And so they did. It came up to be a very, very good qualifying trim setup, but something that just went away from their favor in the race. The result was evident. I think Sundaram mentioned in his stats review article that the worst Ferrari finish since, was it, 89, 87, something like that, Kunal? No?
1: 78 French country, wasn't it? Or something. something. Some, some really long time Yeah. since since Ferrari Well, being Ferrari, I would say.
0: Ah, Exactly. So, you never know which way things are going to go. But yeah, as Kunal, you rightly mentioned, maybe struggling a bit less than as they did in Paul Ricard. But on the front, Ferrari are on an average dropping two positions in every race. McLaren, on an average, are gaining two positions every race. I'm intrigued. But what about Aston Martin? Finally, well, before we move on to the final point, what
1: about Aston Martin? You, you know, the I was just gonna say, in all of this, Aston Martin has been, you know, on the upward trajectory after a tough start to yeah. the to the season. Uh Sebastian Vettel, you know, he loves Austria. He's always been in the points every time he's finished out here. And he will be wanting to make the most of A, the momentum and B the reverse strategy that they've mm-hmm. been making work for the last couple of races, I would say, right? So Aston Martin being in the mix would be great. Fernando Alonso, Alpine, Esteban Ocon, they, they've traditionally not had a great... Uh, they, they historically haven't been as strong out here as well. Uh, but again, you know, this is what makes the midfield most exciting. And Somel, in the midfield, I will mm-hmm. say this. The battle that I am cheering for the most is... Haas versus Williams, hey. right? Yes, so ninth team has actually scored points or will score points this season. I don't know. I'm not Nostradamus or Nostradamus, okay?
0: Cubits are dead but in Hawkenheim 2019.
1: So yeah, yeah, in a car yes. is
0: four seconds slower than everyone that year. So anything can happen. Yes,
1: anything can happen, right? And so w- w- we within the whole Haas and you know Williams battle, mm-hmm. It's about who actually finishes higher in the nine-point scoring finishes. So while you and I don't bother to look who's 11th and lower, the other one's always looking, okay, who's 11th and lower and are we sort of ahead of them? And George Russell's P12 in France, which, by the way, was fantastic You know, in a race where there were no retirements, mm-hmm. right? His P12 helped Williams jump Haas mm-hmm. in the Constructors' Championship. So Williams is ninth, Haas is 10th. And I would love to see how this battle turns around, you know, in, in Austria, the two races we have. And also, Mick Schumacher made it to Q2 yes. for the first time in his Formula 1 career. So, a fair bit to look forward to even at the back end of the grid. Made it, but didn't start it. Again, uh, we,
0: we have to wonder, could he have made it had it not been for that crash? And had Lance Trull not been compromised again, that's a different question. But uh, that seven-figure sums added to Williams' budget at the end of the year, if they keep that position. And uh, it reminds me of a very popular Hindi meme that came from the movie Three Idiots. There were two... Okay, I'm not going to explain the whole thing. It just said, nee check," which means check from the bottom of the results list. That's what Haas and Williams are having to do this year. But it works for them. Uh, I think Williams have certified that position. Finally, Kunal, before we wrap up, before we end up, there is one final point that we have to discuss. And Michael Massey has been at the forefront of that. It is. Curb enthusiasm, says Michael Massey. I... I I like that line so much that I've been saying it so many times today. I, I just love it. But they've been really firm with that. Turn two at Paul Ricard. Teams literally said that we don't want those curbs. They're giving us hundreds and thousands of euros worth of damage. Remove them. Michael Massey was as firm as he could be. He said, no, the curbs did not go away at turn two at Paul Ricard. Yes, Austria has had the turn eight and turn nine curbs, sausage curbs removed. But that was last year before Michael Massey, you know, properly took control of Formula One. Now, he's not taking off any of those sausage curbs at the track as well. And you know what happened last year? Mercedes almost retired both their cars because of the excessive vibrations causing the gearbox to be rattled.
1: So, uh, how much of a problem is that going to be here, Kunal? It's always going to be a problem. You know, the The circuit characteristics are such mm. uh, that if you don't obey track limits, and by Ma- Michael Massey's track limits is literally the white line being the boundary, oh, yes. you could end up with some serious uh, car damage, you could end up, you know, crashing. And thankfully, at least in the last two, uh, you know, right handers, uh, he's removed the curbs between those corners, right? Mm. So, uh, that's that's in in some way a respite because we've seen several drivers overcook it and then go off because they are just spectators in their cars right yeah. so i think curb your enthusiasm is perfect and i know why you've used it as as the subject line in your newsletter as well that's going to go out to over a thousand people uh you know uh tomorrow morning sommel but i think that curbs should just be as it is and mm. you know uh, yes, not in places where they could cause car damage. But hey, guys, why do you take your cars in those places where you could cause damage? You know, that's one way of of looking at it. So mm-hmm. excited to see excited to see how 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 we go through these two mm. weekends, sawmill And you know, my last point is that A1 Ring or the Red Bull Ring, like I said, uh. I grew up calling it the A1 Ring, right? Herman Tilke designed circuit. I wonder. I wonder if the A1 telecom guys who actually got the circuit redesigned paid Herman a little more to design this classier circuit than the sheikhs in Abu Dhabi. I
0: I think it just depends on the client, because the A1 guys were not looking for the most outstanding testing facility and a tourist circuit. Man, people come to Austria either way. I would go to Austria if there was no circuit there as well because the hills are so beautiful and the air (laughs) is clean and and there's electric cars and everything. But you need more flashy stuff over there. And flashy stuff sometimes results in bad racing. Good on Abu Dhabi trying to make those changes. Come on, your turn, Jeddah. Put up a good race. But that's it for today. That is it for our Styrian GP preview. I was almost about to say Austrian. And I hope it's going to be a good one. Catch us on Sunday evening or Monday morning. I mean, it's going to be very late Sunday evening, right? So Monday morning, check out the review episode for the Steering Grand Prix on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium.
1: See you there, folks. I hope you had a good time watching and listening to this. Thank you, Samuel, And see you guys in the middle of the third, second and third race of the Triple Header. (laughs) Bye-bye.